Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Final hour of the show. Ali Cosell, the bird ride spot of the hour to talk more Anthony Davis. Maybe a little Pelicans what happened today, but really you're focused on the future with that franchise. Also, in a little bit, LSU, they fell to Arkansas over the weekend. That snapped their double-digit win streak. First SEC loss. How does that affect their rankings? Also, have some sound from the end of that game there is a a texture here that keeps trying to convince me that anthony davis went to louisville tim you would have loved anthony davis at louisville i've even replied i've even (laughs) replied i've replied to him a couple of times going uh you might want to go you might want to go uh check your sources on that and he keeps saying no he went to ufl he's a winner i don't know why you're bashing him Back when uh, there was the Final Four, four here in New Orleans, Louisville lost to Kentucky because mm-hmm. I made a bet on Bourbon Street with um, a Kentucky um, student at the time, and I, my Louisville belt did not win. That's how I think. That's why I think he thinks Anthony Davis went to Louisville because they played each other in the Final Four back whenever they were, you know, they were in New Orleans for here for the Final Four. I mean, okay. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I don't think that excuses you for thinking he went to Louisville. I'm just being honest. I mean, I could see how they get confused because they played against each other and the game was in New Orleans, but I don't know. That's That'd be my only guess. You're, you're much more empathetic than I am here. I, I do want to uh, – go ahead, Tim. I mean, I think Louisville would have won a couple more titles had – that still probably would have been taken away. But either or, <laughs> it would have helped out a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Probably would have gotten erased with everything in the Rick Pitino era. Now, there was the Super Bowl yesterday, and I do have some thoughts about the game. If you missed the show earlier, I did – Stick to my word. I have eight witnesses of this that I was hanging out with yesterday. I did not watch the Super Bowl live, participated in Boycott Bowl, but did watch the game on replay film because, again, I have a job to do. My thoughts after it, there's lots here. First of all, Brady obviously is the GOAT, the greatest of all time quarterback. It was interesting. I got to thinking this this morning. I was talking to a friend about Tom Brady and his legacy after that game. And, and come on, Skip Bayless. Did you see Skip Bayless's tweet, Tim, saying yesterday somehow Tom Brady's legacy was diminished? Well, what? 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 In, in his defense, he did say the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl. So no, I understand I that. But one right doesn't fix 10,000 wrongs. Jeez, Skip. But... The conversation isn't Brady against Manning or Brady against whatever, Joe Montana, whatever quarterback you want. That's been settled. It just has. Anybody who's still on the Tom Brady hate wagon here need to get off of it and realize the greatness that you've watched these past couple of decades. But the conversation might actually be now going forward, Brady against Michael Jordan for the greatest team sport athlete really the modern generation of American sport. You can go back and Bill Russell won all those titles, and I understand that, but this is different. Salary-capped eras here, 
in the sports and what Brady has done winning his sixth Super Bowl title, equaling Michael Jordan, that's why I bring this up, I believe that you will start to see conversations about, well, is it Brady or Jordan, greatest team sport athlete in America in this generation? If you had to answer that, Tim, who would you answer? Brady or Jordan? Um, I'd probably go with Jordan still. I did see a, a, a meme on Twitter today that if Brady does win his seventh, I saw Jordan in a Golden State Warriors jersey. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I saw I'd that too. Go, I'd still go Jordan. I, you know, I, instinctively, I think I would have been with you. The six for six, because he took that break, he might have went eight for eight if he didn't take that break. Probably would have went eight for eight if he didn't take that break. But it's harder to win in the NFL than it is in the NBA if you're a star. Even in the Jordan era, you could accumulate talent on your team in a big market team and lock down shots at a championship for the better part of a decade. And that's what Chicago did with Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and Kerr and all those guys. It's harder, much harder, in the salary-capped NFL and how everything that's negotiated works around the salary cap in the league and and modern free agency and, and the modern NFL draft to consistently win in the NFL. I I still got to think about this longer than 24 hours I've been thinking about it. But I might kind of lean Brady here. I might lean Brady. There has been big parts of all these championships with Brady. Bill Belichick certainly is speaking of any debate that is over now Bill Belichick is the greatest professional football coach of all time he just is that debate is also over but just like Jordan had Phil Jackson just like Jordan had a top 50 player Scottie Pippen playing alongside him side him for those six titles because Brady had people alongside him and a head coach that's one of the greatest ever doesn't mean that his greatness is out shine might lean Brady here. Squeezing a call, Carl and Hammonds. You want to talk about Tom Brady, Carl? Go ahead. Hey, Seth. Definitely great accomplishment by Tom Brady. No one can take that away from him because I don't think any other NFL quarterback has six rings. I don't, I don't think. But you also got to give that defense some credit. Kept those Rams to three points. No so doubt. No, it, no it doubt. It wasn't like he threw for 500 yards or had to, you know. So, I mean, you, you – kicking a great defense so you have to factor that in yeah it's, you know that's that's a good point carl no that's that's a great point yesterday wasn't about tom brady it wasn't even about julian edelman edelman was great at times in that game he won mvp but let's be honest that should have been uh, gilmore's mvp and that was about the defense and early in brady's career during his first three super bowls you could say those teams were much more about the defense also less about brady it's a good point here were those bulls teams Ever not about Jordan? I don't think they ever were not. So maybe that's a factor that works in Jordan's favor here. Tim, you're laughing at something behind the glass there. I'm reading the Twitter comments from all the Lakers fans right now. It's just really funny. What are they saying? I'd rather not read it on air. Okay. <laughs> go, go find them the uncensored version just, online. Just go look at Woj's tweet, Twitter and just go look at the responses. They're they're quite funny. Uh, the Twitter is a, a funny medium. It really is. So Brady the Goat, I think the conversation will be Brady against Jordan here in the near future. 
greatest team sport athlete of this modern generation. Super Bowl ratings were down. Talked about that earlier in the show. 26.1 here in New Orleans, the rating. That is less than half of what it was last year. Boycott Bull had an effect. It was off the lowest-rated Super Bowl since 2009. People across the country were upset with how the no-call was handled, the league's response to it, and they were turned off. I mean, the ratings just bore that out. Now, the trend line for Super Bowl ratings has actually started to go down since the Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl. So this is five straight declining Super Bowl audiences in the country. Just over 100 million people watched it here in the United States. So this is a trend line, but I think it was exacerbated just a little bit, maybe a lot bit, by the no call and the fallout there. But the biggest storyline coming out of yesterday's Super Bowl is Sean McVay and the altered perception that I believe you will find of him around league circles and around the media that covers him and covers the Rams. Look, Sean McVay has been great his first two years. You cannot overstate what he has done taking over from Jeff Fisher and instantly making them one of the great offensive juggernauts in the NFL. Got them to a Super Bowl in two years. Yes, I understand he shouldn't have been there, but even if you say that, he got them to an NFC Championship game in a couple of years. But they were in the Super Bowl. Came up short. But there have been way too many people, and I've written about this the last year, that have been quick to describe Sean McVay as one of the most brilliant offensive minds ever to grace the sidelines of the National Football League. I haven't bought into that yet. I've always said you've got to do it for longer than a couple of years. And you've also got to do it in the biggest games, in the postseason, in Super Bowls. Is Andy Reid thought of as one of the great offensive minds in NFL history? If you just look at regular season success, you'd probably say, yeah, he should be. Nobody talks about Andy Reid like that, nor should they, because of his lack of postseason success. And when he's met up with some of the great defenses or met up with a Bill Belichick, he gets outcoached. He gets exposed a little bit. Sean McVay has been exposed the last two postseasons. Was exposed by Atlanta last year in their opening game. He was certainly exposed by New England in that Super Bowl. And the Rams might be in a little bit of a tough spot here. They've got some salary cap space. They don't have a ton. They're in the bottom third of the league with salary cap space this next year. They've got aging parts on defense. Jared Goff's coming up on a new contract. The offensive line, you might have a couple of guys retire. This isn't going to be the same team that you saw this year. The pack is quickly going to catch up, I think, in the NFC. Just like for New Orleans. It's not pretty to talk about. But the Saints, without a first or third round draft pick this year, they have some salary cap space, not a ton of salary cap space. It's going to be hard for the Saints to be better than they were this year. I believe for the Rams, this was their best chance to win a Super Bowl. Not that they can't next year, not that they can't in the future, but this was their best shot, and they just got whacked around 
for 60 minutes yesterday. And I know to the delight of every New Orleans Saints fan, when they heard about how that Super Bowl turned out, I think most people were kind of nodding their heads smiling. I know a lot of the Saints players were. Michael Thomas was all over Twitter. So was Alvin Kamara taking some shots at Los Angeles. 504-260-1870 if you want to hop on in. Text line is 870-870. Text from the 985. Saints made the refs call the centerpiece because they didn't play championship football. Yeah, that's that's a bad take, I think. I think that's a bad take. Saints played good enough to win that game. We've been over that, though. Coming back, let's talk a little LSU basketball. They fell to Arkansas, made a valiant comeback, fell short. LSU hoops coming up next year on the last lap. Ali Cosell, the Bird Rides, coming up at 8, 8, uh, 10.32, local time here. LSU hoops over the weekend snapped their double-digit win streak. They fell to Arkansas. Tim, you were there, right, over at the PMAC. I just, I wasn't there, but I just heard what an incredible atmosphere it was. Uh, over 13,000 people there. 90-89, to 89, Arkansas defeats LSU. LSU trailed in that game by as many as 18 points. They came back to lead it with under a minute left, but a bad Tremont Waters alley-oop attempt, uh, which you just shouldn't have made, really scuttled their chances to win this game. We'll, we'll play that highlight in just a second, but Tim, what was your thoughts from this game? Well, I will say the one thing, I was a little disappointed. The fans were great, by the way, but I was a little disappointed in them in the first half. Mm-hmm. I feel like the energy from the team and the, and, the, and the crowd, it was it was low. Like You can sell that like I feel like the players kind of took Arkansas for granted. They beat them. They were unranked. And Arkansas came in, and they punched them in the mouth, got ahead early. We're up by 12 at one point in the first half. LSU kind of came back, was down by four at halftime. And then, I mean, I was in line for, let's say, the first five or six minutes of the second half because the bathroom lines were so long. But <laughs> next thing I know, I see that they were down 16 at one point in the second half. So I was like, oh, what's going on? But LSU was smart. They, got to, they went to the basket, and they got Arkansas to foul out. Arkansas's best big man fouled out, and I thought that that right there was when LSU could turn the tide. They took that one-point lead with less than a minute to go. It just wasn't smart basketball at the end of the game. Nope. Will Wade didn't use his timeouts when he needed to, and the half-court alley was really costly because the guy ended up stepping out of bounds, and then Arkansas gets the ball back. And LSU did have an opportunity. They had like 10 or 12 seconds left with the ball. Will Wade could call a timeout, set up a play. Instead, he lets it run. And they 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 take a bad shot, yeah. and then Nasri takes another bad shot, and just ends up. That's a with staple a of some call. coaches, though. When you have a guy like Waters, who's been in the system now for two years, you'll see head coaches, you know, like Mike Shashevsky, Mark Few, Roy Williams. They'll not call timeouts in that spot fairly frequently, thinking that if you call that timeout, you're actually giving defense a chance to go and set up out of an out of bounds play, make it a little easier for the defense and coming down the court. So I don't blame him for that. But what I do fault for that loss is well the obvious here here's what happened on tremont uh well we actually we don't have the tremont waters play there uh it was an alley-oop pass that he should not have attempted from mid-court maybe not it, 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 this is a mistake that you can't make like this is where bad decisions by a young team and i know i just called tremont waters <laughs> maybe talking out of both sides of my mouth i'm not supposed to here Tremont Waters should be at this point in his LSU career year and a half in he should be beyond that kind of mistake but because he's still young and because this roster is so young these are the kind of things that worry me not only down the stretch in SEC play but conference tournament play and certainly in the NCAA tournament because 
Look, LSU is going to be there this year. The one thing that didn't, I wasn't really worried about because then I, I, some fans were coming out and saying, well, LSU needed this loss because they barely escaped Missouri. You know, they were playing bad against AM. So this was, they were deserving of a loss here. But I mean, a loss is never a good thing. So you, can, no. you never want to deserve a loss. But I will say, Arkansas shot like 70% of three point from the three point line at one point. They had, they made 13 or 15 three pointers. A total in the game. So Arkansas was lights out from the three-point line, and anytime someone shoots over 60% from the three-point line, you're likely going to be behind because LSU was, let's just put it clear, they could not make a three-pointer. They couldn't make anything, honestly, in the first half or at the beginning of the second the second half. So, I mean, Arkansas came out and they shot the ball well, and I think that was a big reason why you saw LSU fall down a lot early in the second half is because Arkansas was just lights out. They weren't They weren't missing. And LSU obviously went down to the basket. They used big bodies, and they got they got they went to the free throw line and basically clawed their way back in. And that's what L, that's what got them back in the game. It's just that I mean I'm not worried about that because you're not going to see another team shoot 70 percent from the three point line going forward. It's not going to happen. It's just one of those days where Arkansas shot the ball better. Well, LSU also had their schedule gets a lot tougher. And remember they got Tennessee coming up, Kentucky, Mississippi State, uh, Auburn. This next weekend, anybody who's saying, like Tim just said there, that a loss was a good thing for LSU, it, it's just not true. It's not true. One loss like this to a team that is not going to be, most likely anyways, in the NCAA basketball tournament, that could drop you a whole seed line. One loss could drop you a seed line. When it comes tournament time. So instead of a four, they could be a five. Instead of a five, they could be a six. There's no way to spin that this was a good loss. And it was their first loss in SEC play, so everything is still in front of them. Tennessee remains undefeated, the only undefeated team in conference play. LSU is 7-1. Kentucky's 7-1. But Kentucky is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. They've got to worry you. They're up to fifth in both polls, right behind the top four we've talked about so much on this program, the four best teams, I believe, in basketball, Tennessee, Duke, Virginia, and Gonzaga. But after those four, there's a fight for what I think are going to be the two seeds. Kentucky's right there. And just the outside chance that LSU had a chance to maybe move up to a three or a two tournament time, they just couldn't afford a loss like this. That's where cringe isn't the right word, but I think they're going to look back on that game and might be kicking themselves a little bit when they see where they're at in the NCAA tournament when those brackets come out. We're way away from that, I understand. And uh, these losses happen in college basketball. They just do for the most part. But yeah, not, not great what happened on Saturday. I, there's just no way to spin that. Everybody's saying, oh, it's about the crowd. Or it's about they fought hard, or it's about they came back down from 18. Yeah, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's a loss to what's not going to be a tournament team. If the crowd shows up like they did in the second half, I think LSU will be fine. But if they show up the way they did in the first half, I think we have something to worry. The one thing I saw is Arkansas was 13 for 24 in three-point shooting. At one point, it was like 13 for 17. They were like not missing threes. LSU out-rebounded them 44 to 20. So LSU was getting to the paint and making baskets and getting defensive and offensive rebounds. Yeah, you if you're an LSU basketball fan, you want Arkansas to keep winning so that loss looks better, a lot better come tournament time. We're going to take a break here. Ollie Cosell, the Bird Rights coming in. We'll talk some Pelicans, Anthony Davis, and your phone calls at 504-260-1870. Text line 870-870. It's the last lap on WWL. Well, Anthony Davis... 
And the trade talks down here in New Orleans certainly is still the center of the NBA world. The trade deadline approaching 3 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. I still, as I've said on this show, I do not believe the Pelicans will make a deal before Thursday's trade deadline. I don't think it behooves them to do so. There's many reasons for that. I wanted to bring back on in here Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights to talk about everything and all the latest news on the Anthony Davis rumors today. Ollie, welcome back to the show, man. How you been? Great, Seth. Thank you. I'm kind of enjoying this since we've been calling this right from the start. So right. we've been sitting here on the sidelines looking at all this activity, most of it coming from the L.A. side, and kind of laughing at how this uh, this scenario that everybody thinks was going to unfold and happen before this deadline really isn't going to happen. No, and it shouldn't happen. And I, I how, first of all, let me get your take on what do you think about the reported updated offer that Magic Johnson sent over the Pelicans' way? They basically added Brandon Ingram and said they would take Solomon Hill and then added a first-round pick. What do you make of their updated offer? It doesn't do anything. As I mentioned earlier on Twitter, and I think we both agreed on this, was first of all, doing that favor by removing Solomon Hill from the books of Pelicans is the last of their worries. You know, they're going to be a bad team. Solomon Hill's about to go in the final year of his contract. So in essence, his deal is going to turn into an asset. So removing him does absolutely nothing. And adding Brandon Ingram also doesn't move the needle much. Simply because here's the thing. The Lakers are trying to force the Pelicans into making a deal for what they think is a great haul. But yet this haul is missing the major, major component that the Pelicans are looking for. And that's the potential of an all NBA type of player. So they can throw whoever they want, you know, any of these young guys, but the fact is they're not very good. The, the Lakers have not done themselves any favors coming into this simply because of their previous years of bad drafting. So they're stuck. Everybody knows that everybody knew this was coming up yet because of the Rich Paul factor, because of AD, the powerful Lakers organization, how they basically have their grasp and hands and everything inside the media, everybody figured that they could bully the New Orleans Pelicans into basically making a trade for whatever offers on the table. And as we're seeing now, Dale Dance, the Pelicans organization, had no intentions of ever wilting. And now they're finally realizing it tonight by seeing all these reports from both from Woj, Ramona, Shelbourne and everybody else that's connected to this. Yeah, no doubt. And and this is what I wrote about regarding this updated offer. Sure, it's better than their first offer, but that's relative. I mean, that was a steaming <laughs> pile of nonsense that they offered last week. If anything, this should have been the starting point for negotiations, certainly not the end point. And, and you just mentioned it there, Ollie. Everybody in Los Angeles and a lot of the, the national media who wants to see this happen is so wrapped up in, well, look at how much the Lakers increased their offer. Well, yeah, they increased it from nothing to a little bit of something, but that doesn't mean the Pelicans should jump all over this, right? Oh, my God, you're absolutely right. It was a joke to hear what they first initially offered to the Pelicans. So much so that for the first time ever, the Pelicans actually leaked something out by simply stating on the initial offers from Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka. It was so bad that that's why, you know, those guys didn't want to keep picking up the phone call or picking up the phone from calls from out in L.A. because it was just, you know, it was a real slap in the face. They should have come hard and come fast with every offer. They should have said, hey, anything's on the table. Tell us what you want to make happen. But they did just the opposite. So it's no surprise that the Pelicans have played hard and uh, not wanting to play ball with these guys. And you know what? We still got another 48 hours or so, so we'll probably hear some more rumors. But I guarantee you, we've already seen their best shot. You know the Pelicans are going to hold fast. And 
for all intents and purposes, there's no way I foresee Anthony Davis ending up in a Lakers uniform at all for the rest of the season. I'm with you. There's a couple of things to dive into from what you just said there. First, Rob Palinka. Remember, he was the agent for Eric Gordon, and then he was working behind the scenes to get Gordon out of here in restricted free agency. And there's a lot of bad blood between Palinka still and the Pelicans' front office. Does that have any factor in these negotiations right now, do you think? I think so. I've heard that anytime there's been any kind of meddling, you know. This, this franchise, and specifically this Dell Demps run front office, remembers that. They, you know, a lot of these dealings that happen in, in NBA front offices, there's a lot of good faith um, stuff that, that's kind of spread out and people rely on to make deals and such. And that's why you see oftentimes teams making uh, deals with the same teams down the road. And that's why we haven't seen anything of the sort regarding, uh, you know, the agent Rob Palenka or the Lakers. You know, there has been a lot of push by these guys, uh, either trying to utilize the media, make our team look bad, simply say some, you know, wrong things and, and such. And so, you know what? People like Del Dent and this front office, they remember that. So, yeah, it does reduce the chance. It lessens it that they want to make a deal with them. So I absolutely think that has had an effect. Um, maybe, maybe 1%, but, hey, it's 1%. I don't know what else the Lakers could offer here, and you also mentioned this, so you thought that shot their best shot here, and I agree. I don't know what else that they have that they could add to this. I don't know if they have enough pieces right now to get a deal done before the deadline. Seth, I think their best bet is to try and move some of these young guys. Uh, like, for instance, we've heard some Lonzo Ball talk of possibly going to the Phoenix Suns. So if the Lakers could honestly flip some of these young guys that the Pelicans do not want and it's something that the Pelicans do want, then maybe, honestly, there might be some kind of chance there to make a deal. But, again, that requires so much, you know, calls, timing, setting it up, and, and just finding what the Pelicans want. When, honestly, they can still do that in the summer. That is the Lakers. So why not, if you're from the New Orleans perspective, just go ahead and wait till the summer. There's no rush because all these young guys are still going to be under contract with L.A. They can still move them for the type of assets, assets the Pelicans want. So, really, th- there's probably no chance. But I'm just trying to think of one scenario. And I guess that's the best I can come up with. It's Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, here with us on The Last Lap. Be sure you follow him on Twitter at Ollie Cosell, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Speaking of Lonzo Ball here, you know the mistakes that the Lakers have made over the last few years might have been drafting Ball because you know something, you knew something like this was going to happen when they're, they're trying to deal the kid to you know build their championship roster. And then you got his dad out there saying, yeah, he's not going to go to the team you want to trade him to. Right? There's no way, there's no way here, in, in whatever reality, alternate or the real one here, Ollie, that the Pelicans can accept Lonzo Ball in a deal back here when his dad is out there saying, yeah, uh, he shouldn't play in New Orleans, don't like the city. Am I wrong there? You're absolutely right. And what's funny is then you've got AD's dad out there talking about loyalty, all this and that stuff, you know, so, and that's regarding, of course, the Celtics. How can the Pelicans go and make a deal with the Celtics? Well, but by the same kind of analogy, how can the Pelicans make a deal for a guy that doesn't want to be in New Orleans, right? So, yeah, it's an absolute joke. As you mentioned, the Lakers did themselves no favor by drafting ball, and I, I guarantee you they're probably kicking themselves still for passing up guys like Jason Tatum, you know, De'Aaron Fox. There's probably another few guys in that 2017 draft that might be able to get this deal done for Anthony Davis. Yeah, they, if they offered Tatum in, in that deal that they offered instead of Ball, it probably maybe would have been a done deal here. Um, speaking of Anthony Davis and what he's saying and not saying here, 
apparently, reports say, Ollie, that he's updated his list of teams that he's willing to play for long term. Not just the Lakers, but you got the Clippers, you've got the Bucks, and you've also <laughs> got the Knicks. But wasn't it just, what, four or five days ago when he was in that press conference saying, yeah, I haven't given any list of teams to the Pelicans on where I'd end up long term. What? Like, I just don't understand some of the things this kid is saying now, man. Like, maybe he's being used. Maybe he's naive. But, man, he's stepped in it a few times now. Yeah. Three days ago, he looked us all in the eye, said I gave nobody. He, 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 this was not even, none of this was supposed to be even leaked to the press. The fact that he wanted to move on from the Pelicans. They were supposed to wait until the end of the season to move him. If they could find something before the trade deadline, sure. But he was fine with playing out the season. And of course, so that guy gets released, as you just mentioned. He and his representation did not give anybody a preferred destination. Well, obviously that's false as well. And the best part about this, Seth, is this list is kind of disingenuous, if you ask me. They added the Bucks. I feel like, in the Clippers, two teams that are both winning, two teams that both cannot also make a deal for Anthony Davis right now because they don't have the parts and you know what to top it all off you look and Woj says that none of these guys none of these two teams have even reached out to the Pelicans so you know there's hardly any truth to this because if anybody hears that Anthony Davis wants to come to your team then obviously you're going to make some calls back you're going to try and figure out maybe there's something you can do but Woj says the Pelicans haven't even talked to these two teams so it all seems made up it all seems one-sided the whole point is Rich Paul the Lakers, Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, at the end of the day, they all just want to see one result, and that's to get AD to L.A. And they're trying every which route, all this misinformation, and you know what? It's not going to work. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work either. It, it seems to me like where Anthony Davis will end up will either be the Celtics or the Knicks. Um, what do you think? Are those the spots? Do you see him ending up somewhere else? No, those are the two major ones. Obviously, Jason Tatum, the Knicks. If they get that, they win that draft lottery and have the rights to grab Zion Williamson with the first pick. Uh, I have heard there are some dark horses in play that the Pelicans are indeed entertaining. I just don't know which teams they are. Um, they, you know, I even heard a report that perhaps the Pelicans might move Anthony Davis, not the Lakers, before the deadline, but another, you know, like I said, a dark horse. I honestly don't know how much we can believe that simply because none of the major mouthpieces have said anything out there in social media. None of the ESPN uh, reporters have reported anything of the sort. But again, what I technically hear usually is good. So, you know, the Pelicans are looking under rocks. They probably want to move on, obviously, from this AD situation if they can. So if some team comes out of left field, throws the gauntlet that nobody saw coming, then of course you're going to jump on it. But again, the likelihood of that is really close to zero. So, yeah. For all fans in New Orleans, just get used to Anthony Davis still sitting on the sidelines, unless, of course, they tell him to stay home. Well, the other albatross hanging over the situation is Dell Demps, and I talked to some people, and I know you probably have too, and the indication I get is that the organization is kind of ready to move on from Dell before the summer and then hit a reset and also reorganize the front office. So why should Dell Demps get a chance to execute this trade? I, I just think this is the ultimate carrot, Ollie, to lure in premier front office talent here. And you might not have another chance to do this for another generation. But if you say to whoever out there that you could possibly lure in, dangle the carrot of, well, you get a chance to come in here, make one of the biggest trades in NBA history, and then completely reset this franchise in your making, that seems like to be the smart move for me. And I just get worried here that they're going to be impulsive and allow Dell Demps to make a deal here before he's gone. Well, yeah, 
that that's technically the worry it looks like from from the outside when when you when you're not too near the situation. But I don't think there's really any threat of that happening. Um, Dell Demps is not operating alone. He, he's not. It's not even just he and Danny Perry's call. From what I hear, it's Mickey Loomis, all the entire brass. They're seeking uh, consultation from outside the organization in terms of getting you know the requisite basketball basketball consultation because Mickey's not familiar with you know any kind of NBA trades, player values, et cetera. So I feel pretty confident that Dell is going to suddenly try and save his job and make some kind of great spectacular move. Uh, and this has been underreported, Seth. The fact that I think the Pelicans, the number one thing that they want to do, they do want to have whoever they bring in to put their imprint. They want to give that clean slate to whoever they bring in as the president of basketball operations, whether they want to keep Dell or not. But it's going to be one guy that, they, from what I have heard, have heard they want to hire him, and then he's going to make all this, all the decisions, both with the GM on down through the front office, through the coaching rinks, and, of course, where Anthony Davis ends up and what kind of haul you get for him. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch play out over the next few months. Really quickly here, do you have any indication on any names who that might be in that uh, president of basketball operations spot? Because I've, I've heard the same thing, that they're really willing to reorganize finally. What I want to hear, and I haven't heard yet, is they're going to do an exhaustive search, searching high and low, basically with people that they do not know. I have heard that they have talked to Isaiah Thomas. He's been around, Avery Johnson. You know, all the common names that either the Bensons, uh, Mickey Loomis, any of the brass has been connected to in the past, they've been talking to those guys. But, again, we don't know if it's for the, the, the job that's going to be opening up or is it just simply they're seeking their consult because they know them, they can rely on them to give them basically the right information. I'm hoping that's not the case. I hope that they're going to look outside of that small circle and hire somebody. And again, you kind of almost think that they may, I mean, they're making a big step step from, like I said, they're going to hire a basketball basketball president of basketball operations. So the fact that they're going to go from some, or, or, or just go anew in an entirely different direction and change the hierarchy completely to basically remove Mickey Loomis from the equation, have somebody be the president, then you have a GM, then you basically look like every, every other team. You hope that that's going to translate also down to the candidate you hire. And by any indication, then you have to almost trust that, yes, they will try and make the best hire that they can for the team. Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. Ollie, we'll leave it there, and we'll pick it up again probably pretty soon. Thanks, man, and uh, we'll watch what happens the next 48 hours or so. Absolutely. Thanks, Seth. Let's just get through Thursday. And right. then we can all finally breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then we can do our own reset here. All right. There he goes again at Ollie Cosell on Twitter O L E H K O S E L. We will take a break. When we come back, Sports Libs in your calls at 504 260 1870. That's area code 504 260 1870. I'm Seth Dunlap, and this is The Last Lap on WWL. Sports Libs coming up in just a second, but first let's go to the phones. Joey and Pearl River, welcome into the show today, man. Hey, Seth. How's it going, dude? Hey, you know, another show, another day. Before uh, before I get started, can I just say a big thank you and, and congratulations to every single member of the Houdat Nation in city, in state, or out of state that's listening tonight? Because what we did it, when we unified was was – our voice was heard. I mean, no doubt. And it will continue. We'll continue to be heard, you know, probably until next Super Bowl, because everything I've looked at today, Seth, 
that was unsports related, just, you know, uh, different news agencies, both print and on air. I mean, they've all had, you know, something to say about our protest and how, you know, uh, valid it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No, it was just um, incredible. I mean, it was an incredible scene. It was, I'll tell you this, Boycott Bowl was way better than that garbage game yesterday. <laughs> you had a lot more fun if you went out to Decatur Street and did the second line of the parade. That's for sure. Well, the, to be honest with you, what I've heard off of your show tonight is the first I've heard about the Super Bowl. And, um, at, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, 13-3, to 3, your premier game of the, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I like defense, but but that, what I saw and watching the replay, again, I didn't watch it live. Yes, I boycott bold, but, yeah, it wasn't pretty. But what you got, Joey? Okay, well, as far as the Pelicans are concerned, look, what they are holding today in Anthony Davis is like what the Saints were holding in 2010 in, say, a Drew Brees. All the cards are in their favor, you know, and and when Sean Payton knew he had to have his offensive line, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, put back together for, you know, as long as Breeze is here and he went and got Max Unger, you know, from Seattle, he put every name on the roster up for Seattle to grab as far as trade except Drew Breeze for obvious reasons. And I think that's, you know, anybody in the NBA. You got a top five scorer, you got a top five defender, a top five shot blocker, all in one name, one uniform, one contract, occupying, you know, two, three different uh, spots on the And you must get value for him. You must get value for him, Joey. You're right. There is some parallels there, but the Pelicans must get max value. Not just value, but max value for him. And right now, it certainly isn't coming from the Lakers. Thanks for the call, Joey. Let's do a little sports libs now. Tim Zimmer, come back in here. Put on those headphones behind the glass. We do this every day. Sports libs a la Mad Libs, sports style. You should know by now. If not, well, listen to the show more. All right, what you got for me today, Timmy? All right, one second. Uh, the first question is, when wide receiver Julian Edelman retires, he'll be remembered as blank. A great postseason wide receiver, forgettable otherwise. This Hall of Fame campaign that's picking up for Edelman is a little nonsense. He's not a Hall of Fame guy unless you're willing to put Doug Baldwin in the Hall of Fame. Great postseason receiver, though. We'll be remembered for that. All right. With Edelman being a, fo- a former college, college quarterback converted to wide receiver, the Saints transitioning Taysom Hill to wide receiver would be blank. I'm all, I'm gonna, i got to throw a flag on you, though. It's Edelman. You only Edelman. said it a couple, yeah. <laughs> a couple times. Uh, wait, did you say it again? With was, Edelman being a former college quarterback converted to wide receiver, the Saints transitioning Taysom Hill to wide uh-huh. receiver would be blank. <laughs> Apparently, Edelman can pick up the uh, play defense. Yeah, no, this is a good. This is what Sports Libs is about. I like this question. The Saints transitioning Taysom Hill to receiver would be short-sighted. Oh, just one word: short-sighted. I still don't think he's your quarterback of the future. Sean Payton says otherwise, but. You don't want to put him out there at wide receiver. Give him some more reps behind Drew, especially if Drew's coming back, which he says he is. Bridgewater won't be here then. Bridgewater's going to be starting somewhere next year. He was Drew Brees' last uh, target touchdown. In he was. Last season, 15th. It's true. All right, uh, question number three. The King Cake Baby being back for the Pelicans is blank. Awesome. I love it. You don't like it, Tim? Tim's shaking his he head, no? He got me no? sick one day. Really? Yeah, I went to go get uh, – I went to a Pelicans event at Smoothie King – and uh, next day, I was like sick, like really. Oh, really it was sick. him. It was definitely King Cake Baby. Man, I love weird promos like that. I just do. I love it. 
I don't mind it. Yeah, I love it. I'm all it's, in. It's scary. It, I mean, it but yeah. But that's also why I thought the Pelicans should have kept Angry Pelican, the first one that was scaring kids. I like scary mascots and stuff like that. We probably would have won two championships by of now. Of course you would have. because the, the old Pelican. Yes, agreed. All right, final question. Anthony Davis's teammates next season post-trade deadline will be blank. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to say, can I just say Kyrie Irving wherever he goes? Either it'll be Kyrie Irving in Boston or it'll be Kyrie Irving in New York. Yeah, I think you're right there. Is that fair? All right. That's Sports Libs. Wrapping up the show next. Moment of Zen and final look at our opinion poll. Did you watch the game yesterday? Yes or no? That's our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll at WWL.com. Back in a flash here on the last lap. Final look at our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll. Did you watch any part of the Super Bowl yesterday? 80% say no. 20% say yes. Thanks for voting on that one. Boycott Bowl, a success. Again, lowest ratings in the country here in New Orleans. You hit them where it hurts. You hit them where it hurts, hoodats. That's what I like to hear. Text from the 504, favorite X-Wing app. Got that a few times today. Well, I just started getting into X-Wing 2.0 with a few buddies of mine. Jake Madison was there, uh, Garrett as well, over the weekend. So I don't really have one yet. I was just using the main main one. I'll play a little X-Wing now that i got a little more time. Thanks to Tim Zimmer and our guest Eric Edholm and Ali Cosell. Catch the podcast if you missed any part of the show. WWL.com, radio.com app, or... Apple Podcast. I'm Seth Dunlap, handing it off to Beyond Reality Radio. By the way, we're back tomorrow after the State of the Union. Here is Andrew Whitworth, courtesy of Westwood One, the Rams' left tackle after yesterday's loss. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.